Are you ready for signs, miracles, and wonders? I just feel like that's what God has on tap this morning. Are you ready for signs, miracles, and wonders from the Holy Ghost? Praise God. Can I read a few scriptures to you real quickly, and I will not lean on your standing graces. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 9. Amen. Do we have magic coming behind us here? 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 9. So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh, and after they had drunk, now Eli the priest sat upon the seat by the post in the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. She vowed to vow and said, Lord of hosts, if thou will indeed look upon the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and forget not thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then will I give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass as she continued praying before the Lord, Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah spake in her heart, only her lips moved, not only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she had been drunken. I would like to spend just a little bit of time this morning to give a message to you that should change your life. It's time for us to receive the passion to conceive the passion to conceive. I'm speaking in the realm of the Spirit, and I'm speaking about the things of God that He would like for you to conceive, because if you can't conceive it, you can't receive it. You'll never grasp a hold of something that you can't conceive in your mind and in your heart, but if we can conceive it this morning, God wants to open up to our grasp things that are already there, but we've got to step into them. Would you lift your hands with me this morning? Would you ask God for his blessings? Lord Jesus, right now, by the authority of your word and by the authority of your great name, loose our understanding, bind our fear and doubt, open our eyes with clarity, Lord. Let your wisdom, knowledge, and understanding God, marinate our hearts and spirits as your word comes forth. Lord, we receive from you in the name of Jesus your spirit, your blessing, and your power. God, to walk in the glory and the blessing that you've called your church to walk in. Loose your anointing right now, Lord. Loose every chain right now, Lord, and let your glory come into this place. In the name of Jesus, would you shout to the Lord right now? Would you give him praise right now for what he wants to do? in this house. Jesus! Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Praise God! Praise God! Passion to conceive. You can be seated in the name of Jesus. Thank you for your standing grace. Again, we give great honor to Pastor and Sister Green, Bishop and Sister Stevens. We love these folks and we are so thankful that we can trust our children. You know, you don't just hand your children off to anybody. And we're thankful that they are in good hands. We appreciate that. We're talking about Hannah this morning, but I want to move the focus from conceiving a child, which is the giving of life, 
to the conception of spiritual things that God has for his church. So as I go back and forth, I'm really reaching for the spiritual, and I want you to reach for the spiritual also. We have a young lady named Hannah whose passion to conceive who was, was greater than the threats that she received from her adversary. It was greater than fear of acceptance from her peers. It was greater than her desire for earthly trinkets. She was consumed with a passion to conceive. The Bible describes the conditions that enveloped her life, her emotions. The pain that she felt was real and it was experienced in her everyday life. The Bible uses words like she wept sorely to a point of lament and to grief. She had affliction in her life, which is a, a poverty or a state of being inferior in quality and insufficient. Hannah had come to a place where nothing in this world would satisfy. We've got to get to a place where worldly trinkets are not really what we're grasping for anymore. We've got to get to a place where our time, our talent, and our treasure belong to the Almighty God, and we're willing to bring all of them and lay them at the offering in a return for God's blessing and God's glory to shine in. All of it has got to be laid on the altar. And Hannah was at this point that nothing would satisfy the yearning of her soul except to conceive and to bring forth life. The pain she experienced didn't go away like a hunger pain after a satisfying meal. The aching was there when she laid down in the evening. It was there when she rose up. It covered her like a blanket throughout the day. Everywhere she looked and in everything she saw, all she felt was the pain and the emptiness, the barrenness of a life without giving life. Church, we're supposed to be a life-giving source. Our worship and our joy and our praise, I'll talk about that in a minute. We'll get there. Then Elkanah, the Bible says in, in First Samuel 1 and 8, he said to her, her husband said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why are you not eating? And why is your heart grieved? It's not, am I not better to thee than ten sons? She, he was trying to placate a hunger that was deeper than the surface level. There's got to come a time in your life, saint of God, that nothing will satisfy but the presence of the Almighty God, that nothing will touch the yearning of your heart except the presence of Jesus Christ and an intimate relationship with him. Nothing will touch you but Jesus, and nothing can touch you like Jesus can touch you. Hannah was even in the house of God, and while in the house of God, she still felt this barrenness and this yearning to conceive. I'm telling you that God is calling some people at Austin First Church. He's calling them to a place where even when you get in the house of God, the yearning is still there. Even when you're in the altar, that hunger is still there. I want you to know it's not a bad thing. It's a calling from the Almighty God. He's placing a passion in your life, a yearning in your life that once it is conceived, once it is conceived, life will come forth. Life will come forth. There's a place of great faith, folks. I said there's a great place of great faith. When we get to the place of great faith, I, Pastor, when, when, when Peter was walking on the water, now, now we, all, we see we always go to the side where he, he went in, he, he sunk. How many of y'all walked on water? And he walked back. But the Bible says, if you read that passage, the Bible said that everything got calm and still. 
Now, the first time that there was a, a ruckus in the sea and they woke Jesus up, he said, peace be still. This time they said nothing because they were walking in a place of great faith now. When we begin to walk in the place of great faith, it will be like Peter. Now, I'm casting a shadow right up here. It will be like Peter when he was walking to, to the church office to go do his church devotionals and take care of paperwork at the church like Brother Omar, I believe, is going to be doing. But Peter was walking to church to take care of all of the books. And while he was walking, he was just going to work, just going about his business. But because he was walking in great faith, as his shadow began to pass over those that were standing along the roadside, God began to heal. God began to move. God began to transform. Why? Because he began to walk in great faith when the passion to conceive grips your heart and nothing will satisfy it but the presence of God. Great faith will follow you. See, some of us right now, we're chasing it, but it's going to follow us. It's going to follow us. Hannah was in a place where she didn't even find peace in the house of God, but she did the right thing. She went to the altar and God was moving her to a place of great faith, a place where signs, miracles, and wonders just begin to happen in the wake. Now, how many of you have ever watched a boat? We have a river, a small dirty river called the Illinois River that's near our home. It is a dirty river, and it's small. But when a barge goes through that river, Brother Brandon, you know what I'm talking about. A barge casts a great wake in that river. And when you follow behind the barge, there's a great wake behind the barge. The barge and the boat just make this naturally happen because it's passing through. When it's passing through, it displaces everything that's in its way. I'm talking about what the church of the living God does when it moves forward. Any place you go, you begin to displace spirits. Any place you go, you begin to displace fear. Any place you go, you begin to displace the kingdom of the devil. But we've got to recognize what God is doing through us and what God wants to do us through us. These miracles will follow us. When the mediocre and the average leaves you grieving in despair and you come to church and you describe, and then please, I'm not being critical. Don't be critical of your church services. But sometimes as a pastor, you'll go home and somebody say, hey, man, just checking in on you tonight. How was church tonight at your place? Well, it was church. Now, Pastor Green don't say that because he said, man, it was exciting, mind-blowing church. But when average at church leaves you grieving and in despair, it's time to go deeper in prayer as Hannah did and higher in the call of God. There are godly people. These Elkanah and Hannah were godly people. They were people of covenant. They were walking with God. They were making sacrifice. They were faithful, but sometimes difficult things happen to good people. I need to remind us that are here at First Church that God doesn't have a B plan for you. God doesn't have a B plan for you. God's got an A plan only because God's an A gamer. God's just got an A plan for you. And if you'll reach for him, if you'll crave him, you'll yearn for him, you'll seek him, God will give you that A plan. And even when you mess up the A plan, God will lift you up and give you grace and move you forward. Job said in Job 23 and 10, he knows the way that I take. And when I'm tried, I will come forth as gold. You may be going through some stuff right now. Anybody ever been through some stuff? Stuff. 
Job said when you go through the stuff and you get on the other side, you're going to glisten like pure gold because God's only got an A plan for his A gamers, and God wants to bless you. He knows every step that you take. He knows every trial that you will face, and he knows every adversary that will be there to come against you. And to this, to your adversary, I say, no weapon formed against me will prosper. Every tongue that rises against me in judgment I will condemn. This is... I said, this is the heritage. This is the heritage of the righteous. When the enemy comes against you, you just remind him, I'm on the A plan right now. I, I said, I'm on the A plan right now. Me and God are working together. You raise up your weapons, the devil, but you won't defeat me. You won't hinder me because God will get glory out of my trial. This doesn't mean that God is unjust because you're going through stuff doesn't mean he's punishing you. Many times it's a reminder for us to maybe find a place like Hannah did at an altar and say, it's me, it's me, it's me, oh God, standing in the need of prayer. Come on. In this invitation to the supernatural, a place where grief and pain and sorrow are many times motivators to draw us closer into the supernatural. They're reminders that our flesh is always going to be with us, but there's something higher and greater that can be received and conceived if we'll move forward with God. In these places that God can plant and nurture a passion to conceive. I, I don't know how many of you are gardeners. I saw a bunch of trees somewhere around this church. They were somewhere around this church. I think over there. They're, they're Brother Green's trees. You know what? Those trees right now in the condition they're in aren't going to survive because they're in buckets. Because they're in buckets. Can I, I, I'm not pastoring. Can I, can, I, can I tell you something? Some of y'all need to get rid of your bucket. Some of you need to get rid of your pot. Y'all got this pot? Some of, you, some of you got this potted plant methodology and mentality that says, well, if I don't like it at first, church, I just pick my pot, my roots up, and I just move somewhere else. Bless God, I'm, I can do this. There ain't going to be no potted plants in heaven. There's only trees of righteousness. You need to throw your pot away. You need to let yourself root in this church and let God grow you up into the power of his spirit. Lord, have mercy. How did I get into this? <laughs> but your plants are going to die, pastor. You got to get them out of the pot. Some of y'all need to get out of the pot. You know, careful, careful. You've already done messed me up. We're going to have to say the amen right here. We were talking about potted plants. Lord, help us. You see, there is a place beyond religion and church as usual. I'm going to tell you right now what I think COVID was. COVID was a, a sifting. It was a sifting of the church. And there are some 
that sadly, for whatever reason, have never rebounded from COVID, even though the church is here having church. And there are many that had a yearning, please understand what I'm saying, but there are many that had a yearning to come back to church as usual. And I don't believe COVID was supposed to bring us back to the attitude of church as usual. But I think COVID was there to tell us it's time to have church as apostolics do, as Pentecostals that are ready to set the world on fire, as people that are filled with the Holy Ghost, that are ready for signs, miracles, and wonders, that can stand against COVID, can stand against anything the devil can throw at them, and still have revival, and still grow, and still be blessed. COVID wasn't there to stop you. It was there to, to, to help you conceive a passion, to conceive. I remember when my wife and I were first married. It was right after Noah got off the ark. And it was pretty cool because it was just us. You know what I mean? Me and my baby doll. But then something happened to my wife. I blame it on city water because we moved into the country and it stopped happening. Below the surface in my wife, there was a yearning. It was a yearning for motherhood. It was a yearning to conceive and to bring forth life. My yearning was, wait, what if we have a child just like his father? And so we made a deal. I thought it was a good deal. It cost me about three or four hundred dollars. She said, give me a baby or a puppy. And I said, what type of puppy would you like, my dear? And we became the proud parents of a Yorkshire Terrier for about a year. But the yearning didn't go away. Elkin, I tried to deal with this yearning, tried to work it out with a deal and said, hey, baby, am I not better to you than 10 sons? But when the yearning gets a hold of you, there's no... There's no chasing it away. There's no satisfying. See, some of us are trying to satisfy the calling of God and the things that God is calling us to, and you're trying to satisfy it with things. You try to satisfy it with positions. You try to satisfy it with more zeros in your banking account. You try to satisfy it with trinkets and toys that come from this world. And after you put all of those things in your garage and in your attic, in your basement, and then in the rummage sale, you are still as empty and hungry as you were before. For God is trying to call his church to a depth that we walk in great faith. Can I ask you a question? And it's not a tough question. You won't fail, I promise you. And if you, if you slip, I'll give you the answer. But when did God ever do anything that was not supernatural? You see... We Pentecostals, we have the truth, but we can become a religion just like any other, and please, I'm not being critical of a denomination, but we can become a, 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 a box-checking religion that we come to church. So Monday morning you get up and you read your little one-page devotional. You read your three or four chapters in your bread chart. You pray your little, now I lay me down to sleep, only it's now I get me up to go to work prayer. You go to work all day. You might pray for your meals during the day. Some of us, God help us, but the only time we pray is for meals. 
And we'll come into church, and here, here's the deal. Here's the deal. See, the, the graduation messed some of y'all up because that wasn't in the church's usual gig. Because we do three songs, take up an offering, and somebody preaches around here. I mean, that's a, that's a church, folks. Can I get a witness? And so when something different takes place in church, it messes us up. But it's time for the church to get used to difference. What happened to the days where the winds of the Spirit of Pentecost began to blow, and then suddenly there came a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and the Holy Ghost came into the house and just turned everything right side up that was upside down, broke every chain on every captive, set every wounded heart free, delivered those that were sick and bound, and raised them up. When is it time for us to get back? I'm not saying y'all are here. I'm just going to talk about my church right now, Pastor. Very easy to become religious and come expecting the same things and never expect the move of God. When the miraculous to have a miracle is a miracle. Folks, when you look in the book of Acts, the church was defined by the miraculous moves of God. I believe God wants to do some of those things in this church service today. I believe God wants to do some of those things today. What time did I start? What time do you usually get out? Somebody will tell me. 2.30? Hallelujah, we're good. Some of you are like, oh, Lord, my pot roast is going to burn like hot dog over hell. Hannah went to the only place that she could find an altar, and it's time for us as apostolic people to really come to the altar. And when you come to the altar, there are some things that you pick up, but there are also things you put down. The Bible says, what know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? This water bottle was designed to contain 16.9 fluid ounces. That is all that it will contain. Now, if I take this water bottle and I've drunk some out of it and I put something else in it like sand or rocks, it will no longer contain 16.9 ounces of water because it has a foreign substance in it. And when we go to the altar and we bring our, our Holy Ghost temple to the altar, there are times that we need to cast some things down. The Bible said, casting all your cares on him for he cares for you. You've got to get the temple empty so you can get to full capacity. You've got to get the temple empty so you can get to the flow of the Spirit. Because when there are other things in there contaminating the flow, God can't have his way. Church can't go as it should because we've got other things in the temple. So when I go to the altar, I have got to cast some things down as well as pick some things up. Hannah prayed about her grief. Some of y'all are bound by fear. Some are bound by fear. Some are, some are still worried about this COVID thing. And, and, and if you wear a mask, that is your business. That's completely up to you. But some of us are bound by fear over this. And we're, we're afraid of the next thing that we're going to be afraid of. And that's not the will of God. It is not the will of God for his church to be living in fear. If your prayer life has become something of drudgery and of a burden and a checklist, a things to do list, then what we've done is we have changed our passion for God, our relationship with God for religion, and now we have a Pentecostal religion. And God is not interested in a religion. He is interested in a relationship. See, 
people become passionate, that is when they conceive. And in the church, when the church becomes passionate, that's when the church begins to conceive and God begins to move. When we look at the seven churches in Revelation, God's had somewhat against every one of them. These were all apostolic churches, but something had gotten in the vessel, something had gotten in the church, and the church couldn't conceive as she was supposed to. And so God called them out and said, look, you got to cast some stuff down so I can put some stuff back in you. They lost their passion to conceive and bring forth the supernatural. Natural. When I look at the book of Mark, and, and, and it's crazy because I'm right back to where I was. 2019, I think, was the last time my wife and I were here pre-COVID. And I came to the pulpit here with a message that I thought God wanted. But, Pastor, you know how it is when God says, mm-mm. And if you go up and preach that, you're on your own, buckaroo. And so I closed my iPad, and I preached from this scripture. This is all God gave me was Mark 16, 15 through about 21. And I want to explain to you what you should look like. Now, please, I'm not being critical because I'm not there yet. Okay? So we're all on the same playing field. But Mark 16, 15 says, Go ye therefore and preach the gospel to every creature. How's your preaching going right now, folks? Who are you preaching to? It's not about opening up your mouth all the time and doing something. Let me, can I, can I help just a little bit? I want to help you just a little bit. Some of you are all freaked out thinking you got to know all the books of the Bible and you got to be able to teach a search for truth and carry one in your back pocket and be ready for that Bible study. But when the Bible said that you shall be a witness, has anybody in here been set free? Would you wave your hand at me? You've been set free from something, okay? That's all you got to tell at anybody. A witness that something had me bound. I was bound by Marlboro cigarettes. I was bound by marijuana. I was bound by alcohol. I was bound by immorality. I was bound by lying, hating, cheating, and thieving. And then Jesus came into my life. I went to a Pentecostal altar. I repented of my sins. And when I did, I was baptized in Jesus' name. I went back to that altar, and God filled me with the Holy Holy Ghost. I spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance, and I've never been the same. That's all you have to do to be a witness for this gospel. That's all you have to do to tell your neighbor, your friends, and your relatives, I went to an altar and he changed me. That's being a witness. Now, St. Francis of Assisi said, be a witness and sometimes use words. So there's another side of the witness that y'all need to know. Can I preach against Facebook a minute? Okay. I'm going to help set you. No. This is a witness too. And if your posts are nasty and they're negative and you're belittling and you're berating and you're ripping on somebody for this and ripping on somebody for that and telling this one off and telling that one off and you're fitting with this and fussing and cussing with that one. And then they say, oh, look, they're a member of Austin First Church. Woo! 
here's the, here's the, here's the other shoe. Now invite them to church. We can be a witness in more than one way. Please make sure that you are a shining example. And if you can't trust yourself on Facebook, but, but you might post something bad, get off of it. And don't tarnish the witness of this church. Don't tarnish the witness of your pastor. And most of all, don't tarnish the great things that Jesus has done and is continuing to do. The Bible says these signs shall follow them that believe. First, we got to get out and we got to preach. You got to be a witness. And it doesn't mean you got to do what I do because you'll do it a lot better than I'm doing. But you've got to be a witness and you've got to tell people there's a world out there that is broken and hurting. I, I understand hope silo, the idea of this being a silo of hope in a lost and a dying world. We're living in a messed up world and they need something that is real. They need something that is genuine. They need something that will literally set them free. And this Holy Ghost will still do it, but they need somebody to preach the message. They need somebody to tell them about truth. They need somebody to pray for them. Somebody to encourage them, somebody to lift them up when the world wants to kick them to the curb like yesterday's garbage. The church can pick them up. The church can reach them. The church can win them. But we've got to be a witness. I believe God wants to move this church into a revival pattern that will never end. I, I don't, to me, revival is restoring that which is, which is, is, is in decay but I think God wants to revive us to this apostolic level, and I think he wants to take us into a harvest pattern. You see, when I read the Bible, it says the fields with an S are white unto harvest. This tells me, Pastor Green, that when the wheat comes early and you harvest your wheat early, then right after that follows the corn and the soybeans and the hay is harvested in between there somewhere, that God is telling us that there are harvest fields all around us. And if one field is empty, just turn and look. There's another field. All you got to do is step into another field. I believe that the church should be seeing daily such as should be saved. That's my opinion. This is what it's based on. Jesus said he came to seek and to save that which is lost. And that means everybody. So now if I ask you the question, it's already loaded. You know the answer. How many in Austin are we supposed to reach? All of them. All of them. And God can help us do that. God can help us move to that place. We were created for greatness because we were created in his image. Praise God. We were created for greatness because we were created in his image. God has an attribute called love. We've read the scripture. God is love. You see, passion for Christ will bring us to a place that he can put his compassion in us. And compassion is what makes the spirit move and what makes the spirit flow. It all flows out of a love. The gifts of the spirit all flow out of the love. It, it, we're, sometimes we're praying for signs, miracles, and wonders. What we really need to ask for is the compassion of Christ so that I can love every person that comes into this altar, no matter how they're dressed, no matter what their skin color is, no matter what they look like, no matter what they smell like, but I can walk right up to them and I can kneel beside them and I can feel the pain that they felt. I can feel the sorrow that they felt. I can feel the, the terror that's been in their life, and I can pray with this with them with compassion, knowing God changed me, He will change you. It is compassion. It is compassion. How did Jesus know a sinful God coming into 
a world in sinful flesh. He drank the cup that had every sin in it. He knew all the filth and all the grit that was in the world, and yet he drank that and felt compassion to reach you and I, to reach this world. The Bible said Jesus called his disciples and said to them, I have compassion on the multitude because they're hungry. God is concerned about what you're eating spiritually and physically. He's compassionate about our financial needs. He's compassionate about our relationship with each other. Jesus is compassionate about the sickness that is in your body. He will heal your body. Can I tell somebody right now, your sickness is not the answer? The answer is on the other side of your sickness. Jesus is still the answer to your sickness. Too many times we allow the problem to become the answer when God is saying, no, I'm still the answer. Pastor Green, I believe God's going to heal you. I believe he's bishop. I believe God's going to heal you. I believe God's going to heal you. I believe that he's going to do that. I, 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 I'm confident in doctors and what doctors can do, and I go to doctors. But the reality is, is I believe God wants to see us go to Dr. Jesus, the great physician, and allow him to do it with us and through us. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that this morning? You see, we need his compassion to loose his power on earth. And until we come to a place in the altar to where we are conceiving that passion for him, we'll never have the passion to reach our world. The church knows what it looks like. We know what, what it looks like. We have the vision. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But the problem is, is we're not seeing what we're hoping for. And it's time for us to loose that passion that God has given to us and start loosing the miracles that God has for this church today. I want to tell you just about a few miracles, and I want to see God. Does anybody want to see God do some miracles this morning? I can't do miracles. Pastor, I, unless you've got a Ph.D. or something in miracles, I don't know if you can either. But I know a God that can do miracles this morning, and he wants to do them through us. But the Clyde Haney was a Pentecostal pioneer many, many years ago, and he had a woman in the church. I'm talking about faith right now. I want your faith to rise, and I want you to be able to grab a hold of a God that can do anything. God can do anything. Will you say that with me? God can do anything through me. Because the Bible tells us that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Brother Kyde Haney had a lady in his church that she had had cancer that had eaten half of her nostril. It was gone. She prayed and she figured she was going to grab a hold of faith that God was going to give her a new nose. And she would walk around to the church member and she, the members and she would say, will you shake my hand? I won't bother. I won't bite you. I promise you. She'd say, "Praise the Lord, sister. You see my new nose." And the saint would look and see half of a nose gone. This grotesque picture of part of a nose rotted off. And she would walk up to another one and say, "Praise the Lord, sister. You see my new nose." And they would look up and say, "Oh my God, there's half of a nose missing there." And she kept doing it. She'd praise the Lord. You see my new nose. 
And after a while, some concerned saint went to pastor and said, Pastor, you got to do something. She, she keeps coming to us. She keeps saying, you see my new nose? Pastor, there's no new nose there. It's grotesque. It's hard to look at. But she kept doing it. And she'd come up and she'd say, praise the Lord, sister. You see my new nose? And before long, the saints would just kind of look down and kind of like, oh, God, go away. And she'd continue to do it until finally she got to a point to where she grabbed somebody's hand. And she said, praise the Lord. You see my new nose? And they wouldn't look up at her and she kept shaking their hand until they finally looked up and the new nose, the nostril had began to grow and in about two weeks time the nostril had completely regrown. I want you to understand faith sees what is unseeable. Faith sees what is unseeable. Faith works when we speak it and when we begin to pray it and we begin to exercise that faith will begin to it will materialize. We have a lady in our church that's been in church for about four years. Her name's Sister Sherry. And when Sister Sherry got in church, she would look at you and say, Pastor, when I got in church, I hated people. She said, I would see other people and just say, I hate people. And I had the privilege of preaching her son a Bible study in my living room. And one night the Holy Ghost began to move in the living room at Bible study. And I said, just praise him, brother. Just praise him. And it wasn't any time at all that her son had his hands in the air in my living room and he was talking in tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. God, feel, God will do it through you. God will do it through you. God will do it through you. There are people out there that are waiting. God will do it through you. And so he left the house, Pastor. You know how born-again babes are. Woo! I got to go home tell my mom. And I said, Brother John, I said, whoa, 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 whoa. I said, is there a possibility that your mother could be sleeping right now. Oh, yeah, she probably been in bed for a couple hours. I said, well, why don't we wait till tomorrow and testify? Oh, no, Pastor, I got to tell her tonight. And he went in and he told Mama, Mama, I, I got the Holy Ghost just like the Bible said. I spoke with other tongues. And she looked over and she said, oh. And the next day I saw Brother John. Brother John was deflated. And I said, bro, it's okay. It's okay. You've got something spiritual and your mother doesn't have it. Just wait. Just wait. And so day of baptism came for Brother John and Mama came. And Mama said, I'm just going because this is an important day for you. But she came in and she got the back door and she said, they better not try to tell me anything about religion. We had altar call after we preached a little while, and Mama came to the altar. She said, I just got to go. I just got to go. And she was standing about right in here in our church. She lifted her hands in just a matter of moments. God filled her with the Holy Ghost. God's changed this woman completely and totally. She loves people. She prays for people. And God provides her with miracles regularly. She used to be a student of the migraine college. She had migraines all the time in her body. Every time she'd have a migraine, she was debilitated from the migraine but she came to church one time and we prayed in 2019 and I can testify to date she's never had another migraine because God is greater than migraines God is greater than migraines 
We were on church. We were praise singing, and we were having worship as usual, and God was moving. And I, I sat next to the sopranos or stand next to them, and I tried to sing, and they were singing. And she said, Pastor, I've had kidney stones. She said, I'm passing one. She said, I'm thinking I'm going to go down. And I put my hand on her. We began to pray, and God healed her again immediately while church was going on. God touched her and healed her again because God is greater than your greatest problems. God is bigger than your biggest trial, and God can do anything that you will allow him to do. We got a sweet sister in the church. She just lost her husband four or five months back. She walks on one of those walker things, and, and we, we, were, we were in the middle of church. I mean, how dare somebody interrupt the, the, our three squares in an offering? You know what I'm saying? And so we're right in song number two. Uh, it wasn't time for prayer. wasn't time for a miracle. But while we're in song number two, she comes rolling down the aisle on that car, you know, and she gets up there, and she said, Pastor, I'm hurting from my head to my toe. I'm in pain everywhere. I got to have prayer. And so we prayed a little bit. You know how we do. But she wasn't going nowhere. Praise God, we're only in song number two. We got one more song and an offering and preach. We got to get back on track here. You see how we get messed up? Because had I pushed on past that, I'd have missed a miracle. So she waited, and I could see something broke inside of her. Something broke hard inside of her. And she was kind of speaking in tongues, but all of a sudden, I mean, she got to where she was speaking in tongues, and the old walker got to shaking, and I laid my hands on her. She went, whoa! And she started talking in tongues, and she started jabbering, and they said, you okay? And she just turned around, she started, she was talking in tongues. All the other girls are getting blessed around her. She goes back to her pew. She still sat down. They said, you okay? She's still talking in tongues, just shaking. God completely and totally healed her at the altar. God wants to heal in this church. God wants miracles to be everyday fair. Do you, see, here we are right now. Well, preacher, you go ahead and pray for them. If they don't happen, it's your bad. But I'm not going to stick my neck out. The Bible said pray until. So we got to pray until. Until we get there. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for folks. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to have some of y'all pray for them too. Because this isn't a preacher thing. I believe God's going to do great things here in just a few moments. We were having our first child because the Yorkshire puppy wouldn't curtail the yearning that my wife had to conceive and bear children. And any of you go to the Lamaze La class? Them things are just really outright embarrassing. I got in the hospital. It was like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. How far are we supposed to go? I was uh, absolutely no hope, no help. But when we, we got back in our, we had our baby. She did a good job. My wife's a trooper. She did a good job. We got back, and all of our group gathered in all the Lamar. We were Lamar's professionals because we had our first child. And we had one gal that was an RN, and she came in. They said, because uh, everybody's trying to do this without any medication, pain medication. She got in there, and they said, how did you do? And her husband said, we get her in there to registration. The first thing came out of her mouth was epidural. 
You see, the epidural in that case was a Band-Aid. Because if the epidural runs out, the pain runs on. The only thing that would take care of the pain was the birth of that child. And the only thing that's going to take care of the pains that we're having in the church is for us to conceive and bring forth new life. There's a calling to deeper waters today. There's a calling to great faith. There's a calling to stepping out of your comfort zone. And when you're out of your comfort zone, nine times out of ten, you're right in God's will. Because God's going to get the glory for it. God's going to get the praise for it. God's going to get the worship for it. Is there anybody at Austin First Church that's willing to step out and say, Brother Green, I'm ready for the miracles. I'm ready for the signs. I'm ready for the wonders. I'm ready for the blessings of God to be poured out in my life. I'm ready for God to do great things. I'm ready for God to heal my pastor. I'm ready for God to heal my bishop. I'm ready for God to raise people. All right. That's all right. Praise God. Pastor, would you join me? Can I get somebody on the keys only? I don't want anything but a keyboard player. Just a keyboard player, Brother Angel, if you can do that. We just want keys quietly in the background. You're going to stand right here. Where is your oldest daughter? Is, are you the oldest daughter? What is your name, honey? Odessa's going to help me out. Odessa, I want you to stand right up here on this gray step right in front of your daddy. Do you love your daddy? We'll pay you later. It's all right. Baby, do you want to see your daddy healed? Are you tired of the pain that's in his body? This is passion right here. This is passion right here. Odessa, you have the Holy Ghost, don't you? Now, I want you to understand something, that the Holy Ghost is not relegated by the age of the person that he fills. Do you realize that right inside this child right now are the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit and the anointing of the Almighty God is in this child right now? You want to see your daddy healed? You going to pray a prayer of faith with me? All right, Daddy, I want you to face your daughter. Is there anybody else here who needs a healing? Anybody else here needs a blessing? Anybody else wants to be one praying for those need me healed? Do you have compassion to see somebody healed or blessed or made whole? You're going to do this like the big people do it, okay, baby? You okay with this? All right. I want you to take your right hand, and you're going to put it right on your daddy's forehead. Try not to mess his hair up. It's all right. It's okay, baby. I need you to speak out loud with authority. Can you do that for me? The Holy Ghost is moving in this room right now. There is a depth of the Holy Ghost moving in this room. Hallelujah. Odessa, will you speak this for me? I want you to say right now, in the name of Jesus and by the authority of the Word of God, be made whole. Right now, say it out loud. By the authority of the Word of God. And in the name of Jesus. Be made whole. In Jesus' name, right now, by the authority of your word, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Is there somebody else that needs healing in this place? If you need the Holy Ghost, if you need the Holy Ghost, I want you to come right now. You have never spoke with other tongues. You've never been filled with the Holy Ghost, and you need the Holy Ghost. I want you to come. If you want it, you've got to want it to get it. You've got to want it to get it. 
you come and we're going to pray for you and you're going to receive the Holy Ghost. If you want the Holy Ghost, you're going to receive it before you leave. You got to want it.